This is the Todd and Friends Podcast. I don't like to waffle on predictions. That doesn't mean I always hope I'm right. Oh, what's he going to do? <laughs> oh, come on. I'm with you. So, thank you. Yeah, I'm with you. Todd, I knew we'd agree on something here. From the KWLM Sports Studio. With thanks to Heritage Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Here's Todd Bergaff. Hey, thanks for joining us for the podcast once again today. Joining us on the phone from the uh, Twin Cities, Cal Soderquist. He is the studio host of the Minnesota Timberwolves uh, Radio Network. Cal, thanks for joining us today. I appreciate it. Yeah, happy to be with you, Todd. So you're in the cities then while Alan is out on the road, is that right? Exactly, yes. So whenever whenever he travels to different cities for road games, he'll, he'll be on location, obviously, at that arena like last night. Uh, we hired an on-site engineer that, that helps set up the equipment, and then they feed everything back to me. Um, I'm in our Target Center studios hosting pre and post and half and, and producing the uh, the game itself, and it gets fed out to all of our affiliates, including you guys. Yeah, of which we've been from the very first year with the Timberwolves. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, so you guys went into a little different of a broadcast arrangement this year with more streaming and programming that way. Can you explain kind of the differences maybe of this year's uh, uh, Timberwolves experience from years past? Yeah, you know, it's it, it kind of, I think, depends on the listener and, mm-hmm. and the experience that they seek out. You know, there's a lot of our a lot of our fans have maybe uh, found us on the same station, radio station, whether that's in a car or, you know, if, if you've got a portable or a handheld. Um, or, or some other fans might listen via the, so obviously there's the Timberwolves app. There, there's basically a half dozen different apps and, and streaming services you can find nowadays. Um but what what uh, a lot of our executives wanted to do was was kind of just try to lean in a little bit more to the app based and, and the streaming based options, try to make some some unique formats and maybe do some different things that that we weren't necessarily able to do um, with with traditional radio and the traditional formats that come with that. But at the same time, we we still wanted to serve those not only affiliates but but any of the listeners that. Um, that were finding the games in the more traditional sense. We wanted to make sure that there were still offerings for them while still maybe more than we ever have before focusing some, some attention and, and messaging and communicating that, that those non-traditional uh, options are, are available to people. And yourself and, and Alan, you guys put out uh, a lot of content throughout the course of the week. Uh, I think he does a, a weekly interview show with, with Chris Finch, and there's a lot of other uh, available programming too, isn't there? Exactly, yeah. So if, if fans are, are listening, you know, we're, we're building out our, our Timberwolves app as we speak in terms of additional, basically non-game day content. Uh, we still try to have a very robust pregame show. There's there's the uh, nightly one-on-one interview with Chris Finch. Um, we, we do a lot of conversations with, with the assistant coaches. A lot of the assistant coaches are great at, at breaking down opponents and matchups and, and depending on which guy has the scout for that upcoming game or week. So, yeah, we try to, as best we can, we, we want to try to take listeners and fans sort of behind the scenes um, in, in addition to what they normally get on, on game nights. Mm-hmm. 
And I would imagine uh, that uh, I-, I would think your job is a lot of fun no matter what's going on. But uh, <laughs> when the Timberwolves are so good, uh, it's the best 25-game start in franchise history. They're tied for the best record in the NBA. Uh, you know, they, uh, there's a lot of talk about the buzz at Target Center for every game, that they're all sellouts and, and so forth. But there's got to be a lot of buzzing going around your offices, too, I would think. No, you nailed it. Uh, there's, there is just. Uh, I think that's a great way to describe it. There is a legitimate buzz or, or an electricity. You know, when I, I walk across the street to where the majority of our offices uh, are in terms of the corporate sales and, and ticket sales and all the different uh, folks that that make up the 200 plus full time employees for the the Timberwolves and Lynx, um, and and everyone has a pep in their step and. Obviously, you've been listening a long time. There, mm-hmm. there were several lean seasons back then, and it was still fun to, to tell the stories of those players, you know, when you get to know those guys and, and, and where some of the players had come from and some guys that were maybe getting opportunities that hadn't yet had that uh, chance in the NBA. We, we still had fun telling those stories, but you're right. On a, on a night-to-night basis, if, if the team's losing four out of every five games, and let's face it, sometimes target center was was not a mm-hmm. fun place to be you know this year has has basically been nonstop sell out electric atmospheres and it really makes for a fun game even if they do come up short um and lose on a, on a given night it's still you, you kind of walk away thinking that was an excellent basketball game I, I think back to last night in miami just some high level back and forth shot making between mm-hmm. the wolves and heat and we've gotten that basically every night from the Timberwolves. And, and now, really, the only time you end up with a snoozer or, or a clunker of a game, so far this season at least, it, it's because the, the Timberwolves have, have blown the doors off their opponents. So it's, a, it's refreshing. It, it certainly makes it, um, makes it easier to, to you know, find different, different angles. And if, if folks are like me and, and just, to, like, I'll catch myself watching, you know, the, the Lakers and the Pelicans on a random night if I have the night off. I, I just like to watch mm-hmm. high-level basketball, really at any level, even WNBA, college hoops, um, you go on down the line. And if you get a good matchup or, you know, good players having good nights, I, I just gravitate toward that. And it's, been, it's made it super easy and super fun to, to watch these games and these matchups this year. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, uh, so uh, the uh, stretch of games that the Wolves were going to play, I think numbered 16 before they played New Orleans last Monday, 16 straight against teams with winning records. Well, they're 3-1 and one against those teams so far. Not too bad beating good Dallas, Indiana, and Miami teams. And with Miami, it was all hands on deck. Uh, you know, with, with Indiana, they didn't have Tyrese Halliburton, which was too bad. He had an ankle or something going on. And, and I'd, I want to see him play against these teams with all of their best players on the floor, and that was the case last night. So that made that win even better, I thought, for the Wolves. I think so, too. I think you could, you could make, I mean, they're 20-5 and five on the season. There have been a lot of great wins so far, but you could make the case that that was maybe the, the signature victory so mm-hmm. far through these 25 games. And you consider that it was on the road, and, and it's always just going to be tougher, especially against good teams that have good crowds, and that's the case in Miami. But also, they were coming off an emotional win. Jimmy Butler had the buzzer beater over the weekend against the Bulls, and, and then they got the boost of getting Bam Adebayo back in the lineup for the first time in, in, I believe, three weeks. He hadn't played since late November. Tyler Hero had been out since November 8th. 
and he was back in the starting lineup as well. And I, I think each team kind of helped bring bring out the best in, in their opponent last night. And you're right, when you zoom out on, on that 16-game uh, stretch where every opponent was, was at or above 500 uh, when the stretch began, you kind of knew, sure, that there were going to be nights like the Pacer game where you're catching them on the second end of a back-to-back and, and Tyrese Halliburton sits. And you, you just kind of know that there there are going to be hopefully not more than one or two or three of those games throughout this 16-game stretch because I'm with you. I I looked at it and, and still look at it as sort of a, a great opportunity for the Wolves, a measuring stick opportunity to kind of test themselves against really good opponents every single night. And, and really the this was this goes back to last year and and some of the the issues the wolves dealt with it wasn't so much that they would show flashes of of their potential as a team it was sustaining it and and carrying forward one good effort into the next into the next and really stacking these games up mm-hmm. so that's why i i was and still am excited for this 16 game stretch because you've got to do it every single night and that's the sign sign of a really good team a really good contending team when they can just it it becomes habit and you don't get tired of of those winning habits sort of so yeah it last night was excellent and i think uh it's it's almost a good thing that there isn't too much time for the wolves to kind of revel in in everything they did well uh yesterday in miami because the the tough tests will, will keep coming yeah, no doubt. With the Sixers tomorrow night and that uh, huge individual named Joel Embiid who tends to control games uh, so much. I don't know what the uh, history with Gobert and Embiid is. I don't know. Does he defend him well? I mean, that'll be quite a matchup of, of Titans inside, although Embiid certainly is not afraid to venture out around the three-point line once in a while. You're right, and I think it'll be interesting. That'll be a big question for Chris Finch and, and the Wolves in terms of what kind of game plan they want to employ. Embiid is so versatile. Mm-hmm. You'll you'll find him out on the three point line at times. I think he really is one of the better, or maybe more underrated guys in in terms of the mid range. Mm-hmm. Not all of his points. He, he's such a, a gifted scorer, and not all of that comes at the rim. He's he's got a full toolkit in terms of what he can get to. And I think one of the things the Wolves have done really well in some of these matchups against some of the very best guys in the league, whether it's Nikola Jokic. Uh, Luka Doncic last week in, in that win in Dallas, they do a great job of, of kind of creating a unique game plan, something that maybe those guys don't see every night, and the Wolves have the unique ability to deploy it. Like, let's use Luka as the example. They, they made sure it was a concerted effort to not just stick Jaden McDaniels on him from start to finish, because then Luka, as gifted as he is, can maybe find a weakness or two that, he can start to exploit against Jaden. Instead, it was, all right, Ant's going to guard you for a few possessions. And then Jaden McDaniels gets his turn. And then Kyle Anderson. And then Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Like, the depth and, and the versatility that this team now can employ on the defensive end, especially on the perimeter. But I think you could you could do some of the same stuff against Joel Embiid, whether, you know, Carl Anthony Towns has the, the athleticism and versatility and quickness to follow him around in the perimeter or – We've seen Rudy uh, really return to his defensive player of the year type uh, play so far this season in terms of what he's doing on that end of the floor. So I think giving different looks to, to some of these really, really talented guys 
has uh, worked so far for Minnesota, and, and we'll see kind of what they choose to employ. The other thing, too, Chris Finch, I, I think, deserves all of the credit for how this team has been able to adjust in-game. And, and we saw it last night in Miami. It's, it's almost becoming too much of a trend in terms of the first-half struggles, but you can apply that to individual matchups, too. The, the Wolves have done a great job at, all right, if something's not working as well as they'd maybe hoped going into the game, they can quickly pivot, and, and credit to the players, too, for, for being able to take in those, those on-the-fly adjustments and implement them in the game. How did uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker not find a team that liked his skill set prior to getting to the Timberwolves, or did he just kind of develop and mature once he got here especially, uh, along with the coaching uh, of Chris Finch? I mean, he's, he's a player. He was a throw-in on a Rudy Gobert trade, wasn't he? Yeah, that, that's the that's the interesting thing. I mean, you can look back at that trade. Uh, so, so Nikhil Alexander Walker actually it was last February. He and Mike Conley came from from Utah oh, as part of the the three way deal that sent D'Angelo Russell to the Lakers. So, it's it's tough to keep track that the Wolves made so many deals with with the Utah Jazz. But yeah, <laughs> right. Nikhil. Nikhil, I think at the time in that Mike Conley deal was was considered a throw in largely because. His contract was set to expire that that uh, coming summer, and let's not forget he did. A, he was one of the biggest reasons why uh, the Wolves won their their do or die play in matchup against his cousin Shea Gilgis Alexander and the Thunder that got the Wolves into that that actual first round series with the Nuggets. But then over the summer, the Wolves did a great job. They obviously paid what they had to to retain Nas Reed. And that, that deal, rightfully so, got a lot of attention and a lot of praise. But you could argue it's been just as important to, to retain Nikhil Alexander-Walker, especially considering the injuries to, to Jaden McDaniels. Uh, Nikhil's been able to slide, slide into that starting lineup spot and really do a lot of the same things, especially defensively. We've, we've seen him hit some big shots, too, some big three-point shots in, in some of these wins so far this year. So, yeah, I think... I mean, Nikhil's a great example. Troy Brown Jr. has been a really under-the-radar, but I think really important off-season addition. And it's just something I go back, you know, I've, I've been with this team for, for more than 10 years now. I've, I've been in a full-time role for 10 years, and they just have not been able to lean on depth. And, and I think each team in the NBA is a little different in terms of, all right, if you've got, if you've got Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, and Devin Booker, you're not going to be able to fill out your bench the same way that other teams can. But the Wolves this season have really, at, at different times, been able to turn to under-the-radar guys uh, for big moments and big performances, and it's, it's helped them to these 20 wins for sure. Boy, you can see the chemistry that has really developed amongst all the guys, too, despite the fact that, you know, you look at this roster, it's been put together in the last two years. I mean, ex- outside of, like, Nas Reed, a couple of holdovers, but the major pieces, Towns, obviously. But but all of the role players that have come in, Gobert isn't a role player, but he's one of those newer arrivals and they're here in the last years. They've gelled. It, it took a little time, as it, you know, should have, uh, especially with Towns missing so much. But now the, the lob that Towns throws with two minutes to go to Gobert last night, I didn't even think he saw him. He throws the ball up. I'm watching the game, and I'm thinking, oh, that, you know, has no chance to make that shot. And then Gobert rises up and dunks it. I never saw him behind the defenders. So you can see the chemistry developing, too, on a nightly basis. 100%. And I think, you know, the players have admitted uh, as much so far this year, and I think maybe even 
with that Mike Conley trade, that that's another sort of uh, bullet point that that worked in Minnesota's favor is that Mike Conley has that built-in chemistry on the floor with Rudy, not just running the pick and roll, but as as defenders. And yeah, I think everyone else um, has has come so far in terms of learning how to share the floor with Rudy, really on both ends too. Uh, we we talked a ton last year about Rudy as a defender and how. He, he on his own. He's a top ten defense, but it's still you know it, it's not just you can't just play Ole defense on the perimeter and funnel every single thing to him mm-hmm. uh, inside. So I think the Wolves have done a great job learning how to to move as a, a connected five man unit defensively. And you're right, the, the offensive chemistry I think is is really night and day. Um, we've seen Anthony Edwards connect with Rudy so much more frequently on some of those lobs. Just all of the teammates kind of, you know, I, I liken it honestly to a quarterback and a receiver kind of building up that chemistry and knowing, all right, my receiver's going to sit down in the zone. He's going to like that pass a little bit more toward his feet so he can get down or on the run, et cetera, et cetera. I think that mm-hmm. there's, you've just seen it every single night that these guys, they all seem to have a, a little bit more of a, you know, whether you say it's on the same page or, they understand each other a little bit more that that's that's been evident and, and visible yeah no doubt about it and you know we knew that uh gobert was a terrific defender what i think two or three time uh defensive player of the year but but i underestimated certainly how much better he would make his teammates defensively uh not just that he's able to cover up for a mistake but they don't make as many mistakes they seem to all be energized by the fact that they've got the eraser behind them so they can sell out and play even harder on the perimeter. Yeah, and I think you know, some guys have spoken about that a little bit. Is maybe, maybe they considered him too much of a safety net last year. Mm-hmm. And, and it's also tough, too, because a lot of the key guys that, you know, Mike, Mike Conley and Nikhil Alexander-Walker, they brought with them a, a little bit different of a defensive mentality. We've known Jaden McDaniels is is someone who is always going to want to be that bulldog on that end of the floor, and I think the coaching staff sort of made it a point this summer to challenge Anthony Edwards to be one of the leaders on that end of the floor as well, because we hear that so much about you know, some of the the greats in this league, whether it's LeBron James or, or Kawhi Leonard. You know, if, if you're truly a superstar, and, and I think Anthony Edwards deserves to be considered an emerging superstar if he's not already um, you know, in that conversation with some of the eight or ten other guys in this league. If, if, if you're putting in effort and, and really doing everything you can on that defensive end of the floor, then all the role players and everyone else really don't ha- have any other choice but to kind of follow that lead. And I think both Ant and, and Carl Anthony Towns, too, deserve a lot of credit so far this year on what they've done, maybe Cat especially, because we, we had seen Ant do it before um, and, and kind of show the ability to be a lockdown perimeter defender, whether Jaden was out with injury or Jaden battled foul trouble on a given night. Ant kind of relishes those opportunities to, uh, to lock down or slow down an opponent. And Cat has really impressed me with, with some of the uh, – whether that's lateral movement in the paint or getting out to shooters, you know, one of the things with him being in the starting lineup next to Rudy is he's had had to defend different players than he's maybe been used to when he's out there as the center in terms of some of the guys that are now considered fours or power forwards uh, in the league now. So Cat's done a great job of, of doing everything asked of him defensively. 
and I think it, it's just kind of it's allowed sort of a trickle down effect. You're right. There, there's you mentioned everyone kind of takes it personal or, or has a competitive edge on that mm-hmm. end of the floor, and I think the team has has really bought into that's that's just their identity, night in and night out. You know, we've seen the offense kind of be hit, hit or miss a little bit this year, but. If they can play well defensively, they'll give themselves a chance in, in almost every single game. In Philadelphia against the Sixers tomorrow night. Uh, Cal, thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate it. Yeah, anytime, Todd. Thank you. Cal Soderquist, he's the studio host in the Timberwolves Radio Network. That's the Todd and Friends Podcast. It's brought to you by Heritage Bank. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Watch for future episodes of the Todd and Friends podcast at kwlm.com or on the air here at KWLM, 1340 AM and 96.3 FM.